Let us prepare ourselves to hear God's word in Scripture with our prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the Scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Our Scripture reading comes from the book of Genesis in the first chapter, the first five verses. Listen now for what the Spirit has to say to the people. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters, and then God said, Let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that the light was good. And God separated light from darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness God called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Reveal, O God, your wonder to our eyes. Open our hearts, Christ's love. Disperse from our minds any darkness and fill our lives with your light. Protect us, O God, from thoughts without action. Guard us from words without life. Grant us wisdom to walk in your ways and open us always to the guiding of your spirit. Amen. A friend of mine sends an annual Christmas letter each year. You probably have some friends who do this. I enjoy reading uh, the letters that come uh, from friends and, and family at the end, toward the end of each year around Christmas time. His letter was detailing the highlights of the previous year of his life and the life of his family a few years ago. And this was a particularly important letter because it was the first exciting year that followed his retirement. He had a pretty banged up year that, that year. He was in his mid-60s, enjoying traveling and being with grandkids, and he also mentioned as somewhat of an aside and included a picture of him running in a tough mother competition. When I saw that, I thought, now he's going really wild. Now, in case you are not familiar with tough mother, it is a challenge that requires people to run a race through a muddy course that includes physical obstacles that participants, or mothers as participants are called, must accomplish in order to finish the race. It includes things like climbing over walls that are 10 feet or higher, swinging over pools of water, hurtling fallen trees, wading through freezing cold water, or sliding down muddy slopes. And yes, people do pay money to compete in these competitions. It's kind of interesting though, isn't it? It's an intriguing concept. But what I learned about tough water after reading my friend's letter is that the obstacles are designed so that most of them cannot be faced alone. 
requires all of the participants to ask one another to help and to support one another as they make their way through the course. The founder of Tough Mudder told Forbes that Tough Mudder was built on the principle that the true prize is crossing the finish line together. And this principle is so foundational that there's a pledge that mothers make when they commit to running this race. And it includes commitments like, I put teamwork and camaraderie before my course. And I will help fellow mothers complete the course. And another one, I will overcome all fears. Mothers run the course as individuals, but they do not run it alone. This is true of a life of faith as well. We live our faith as individuals, but we do not live it alone. It is also an idea, this sense of togetherness in our faith, is also an idea that's at the very part of the meaning of baptism as well. You see, on the church calendar today is baptism of the Lord Sunday. It is a Sunday when we remember our own baptisms by remembering that Jesus shared in the experience of the sacrament being baptized in the Jordan River by John Baptist. We remember the, pro the promises that God makes in turn, the promises that we too also make to one another baptisms. In baptism, God claims us as children of God, as beloved children of God. And we are claimed as members of the body of Christ together. It is an assurance of forgiveness and mercy and love that God will show and continues to show to be limitless. Baptism is the sign of a promise that God makes to show us that we belong to God and that nothing is going to change that, that God will love us no matter what. And so when the church baptizes, it is a public experience because we do this together. We do this together with God and with one another, and there are very good reasons to do it publicly. Power of baptism simply is not simply a pastor pouring water or bringing water over a child or an adult who is receiving the sacrament. It is the church joining its faith and love together to proclaim and to bear witness to these, this promise that God makes that we belong to God and that we belong to the body of Christ. We make these promises at baptism to one another as well. As we gather at the font at every baptism, we promise to nurture and to guide and to live our faith together as the body of Christ. We make that promise to every person who receives baptism. Just as a congregation made that promise one another and to each of us at our own baptisms. So for just as baptism is a sign of a promise that God makes to show
as the body of Christ together, we call on one another to live our faith together in the covenant that God has given us to live both individually and as the body of Christ, as one community in Christ. And so just as mothers might help one another through the obstacles and challenges of the course they run, just as they show one another how to make it through, the church in baptism makes its way together through all of life. Where there are obstacles, where we face challenges, where we suffer, baptism is a promise and a reminder that God is always with us. It is also a call to every person of faith to nurture and guide and support, to forgive and to love one another faithfully through the entire course of life. And we do this together. Baptism is a sign that, that we were made to live our lives and our faith together as that one body. Now, ordinarily, we would read the story of Jesus' baptism on this day, but today we are reading from the, from the first chapter of Genesis about God establishing the beginnings of, of the heavens and the earth. And it is the Hebrew scripture that the church reads alongside the story of Christ's baptism on this Sunday. Because it is a story of God creating life and God establishing the beginning of a relationship with a new creation which includes all of us. God is creating our lives and the life of the world for grace and for goodness. And the story of this cosmic creation in Genesis is a story of God creating a new reality. It is not chaos or trouble or pain or evil that the world was made for. No, it, it is for creating a life of grace and of hope and of love. And when light was needed, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And in the act of creating and growing and building, God creates a life for us to have and to hold and to share. But it does not always feel this way, though, does it? In a world that seems like everything might be taken apart, baptism is God's graceful invitation together. In a world where people are fractured or disconnected, baptism is a sign and a seal that reminds us that we are one in Christ. In all of our life, especially in times of crisis, we can draw on our faith and on the promises that are made in baptism to remember that we belong to God no matter what. And that love is the defining truth of our lives, of our faith, no matter what. God made us to create a life together, regardless of the circumstances. And our identity as children of God, given at 
baptism will not go away. God will not trade on them. God will not assume them. Even in the most troubling circumstances of our lives and our life together, this is something that we can count on, that we belong to God, and God calls us to be the body of Christ. Now, over the past few days, I've been reflecting on the events that happened on Epiphany this past Wednesday. And as I've done so, the sacrament of baptism has been guiding my thinking. Our nation has been divided and continually divided for years now. Wednesday's siege on the Capitol was an extraordinary challenge to our public life as a nation and to our democratic political system. Many of our congregation have shared their feelings and their reactions, as well as the emotional impact of this event, which covers a wide, wide range of feelings. While I feel many of the emotions that I've heard others describe, I lean heaviest on a word of hope. Word of hope because the democratic process, which we have by the Constitution of the United States of America functioning as it was designed, when it was challenged and when it was put under pressure. But even in thinking this, I can't help but think that something else has failed us as well. It might be said that we have failed ourselves or one another in ways that have led to this unthinkable event. Our country did not arrive here overnight, though. The violence and the hateful speech and the disruptive attitudes did not arrive randomly or out of nowhere. In all of this, I see too that there's a sense that we can forget that God is the Lord of our entire lives, which includes our politics. Politics is not made to guide our faith. God's grace guides our faith, and politics is, is guided by that faith. The most troubling thing for me was to see photos and news stories showing the name of Jesus on signs and clothing that also included symbols of exclusion, racism, and bigotry. This is contrary to the teachings that I know from Jesus in Scripture and by the Church's witness. For Christ affirms the call of the prophets to do justice and to love kindness to walk humbly with God because people belong to God. And God calls us to help God cultivate life for one another, which also includes those who storm the capital. Our faith guides us to listen for the Spirit of God moving and working and sending us toward a graceful wisdom that comes to us from the heart of God. 
sacrament. It is true for every person who receives the sign and seal of the water and of the Holy Spirit in the sacrament of baptism. This wisdom might show us the way toward healing in so many different parts of our lives. In every part of our lives, really. The Presbyterian Book of Common Worship says that in baptism, the love of God is poured out for us through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And in baptism, we are called to live out our lives for others until the day that we see justice roll down like waters of righteousness, like an ever-flowing stream. See, baptism is not an event. It does not happen to us. Baptism is an identity, an identity that is given to us by and the sacrament grows in us such that through our lives we come to recognize more and more that we belong to God. And similarly, we grow to recognize that our neighbors and our friends and our family and people of faith all around the world belong to God as well. The people belong to God. And in our baptism, we are called to live our lives together in a full recognition that we all belong to God and each person was created for this belonging. In our baptism liturgy, we say that in the covenant of baptism, God gives us new life, that God strengthens us to resist evil, and that we seek to nurture one another in love, and so we seek to be Christ's faithful disciples, living by God's word and showing Christ's love. If we are guided through our lives by these baptismal promises, we will find ourselves more together than we are separate, more alive than we are dead more peaceful than we are divided, more hopeful than we are afraid, we will know more love than hate. And the world, the world will look more like the one that God created it to be. So may we let God's light live through us. May we let baptismal promises guide us and may we create life together as the beloved children of God, 